Welcome to a throwback edition of the Social Flight Live podcast, where we feature a special past episode that stood out from all the rest. Join our live broadcast every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Social Flight Live. I'm Jeff Simon. We have a great show for you tonight. Team Aeroshell is here. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got the whole crew here to talk to this evening. Before we get started, a few tips. First of all, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, tonight's show is going to be recorded and will be available probably by late tomorrow on socialflight.com in the Social Flight mobile app and on YouTube. Just so search for Social Flight, one word, and that'll get, uh, bring up uh, the recording if for some reason there's an issue. If for any reason you have a problem with your PC, phone, or tablet in watching the show, you can always just restart it. And that'll, uh, that should bring it right back to all of us. Going to be a bunch of small uh, windows. And so there are some controls since there's a bunch of us talking on this broadcast. And uh, there are controls through your app that allow you to, to uh, zoom into one person or do things like that to make it a little bit easier. As always, we created Social Flight in order to support general aviation. That's the most important thing I can say every time we run this show, because we are here for you. Um, we went and put together tens of thousands of aviation events, destinations, $100 hamburgers. Uh, I, I really urge you in order to help support our industry during these very challenging times to get out there and fly. And Social Flight is such a great way to find that mission. It is completely free. There are wonderful ways to win prizes and things like that. Uh, it's just absolutely uh, got a lot of fantastic things within it. And of course, great things like shows like tonight. And so we ask you again, check it out and be sure to spread the word to your friends. Uh, it keeps all of us going and helps support local FBOs, airport restaurants, and everyone that supports our industry. And so with that, I am going to uh, do one quick thing, which is a, a shout out. We have a new supporter here at Social Flight. It is Flying Eyes. Um, uh, Flying Eyes is, uh, you know, I've, I had a pair uh, for a while. I now have this new pair and I have to tell you, please go check out Flying Eyes Eyewear because um, it is like nothing else out there. Not only the optics crazy, but I'll tell you, I'm going to put these on right now so you can see the, uh, the new look of uh, Jeff at Social Flight. What's really amazing about them is um, you can't feel them when they're on like at all under a headset, et cetera. And you can bend and twist and mangle these things and they're completely indestructible. So I just want to give a shout out to that. Um, uh, be sure to check them out. I think they've got some, some great deals. Uh, and all you have to do is go to their website and be sure to mention Social Flight, of course. So with that, let's bring on Team Aeroshell. I am going to go here to my control panel and start uh, clicking to uh, give all these guys the opportunity to turn on their cameras and um, hop off mute everything that needs to happen for this crew. We'll see if we can get this. This is the, the largest group of presenters we have ever done in one spot, um, all at one time. And uh, I think we've just about got everybody. Jimmy, Allen, Steve, Mark. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, we got to get Brian on here. And um, make sure everybody is live. If anyone can't speak, I will, uh, I will do my best. Uh, Sound sound off. Alan, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. We'll be like a flight formation. Jimmy, how about you? I got you loud and clear. Excellent. And Steve? Smoke on. All right. Mark? I'm here. And Brian? Loud and clear. Welcome so much, guys, to Social Flight Live. This is the, the biggest thing we've attempted, to have the most iconic crew of all general aviation air shows together in one place and at one time. And just so everyone understands this, lead pilot is Mark Henley, as you can see there. Brian Regan is our the right wing. Left wing is Steve Gustafson. And uh, then we've got the slot, Jimmy Fordham. And found one of the founding members of the team and still a team owner, Alan Henley. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing good. Hey, 
I first need to do a personal thank you to you. It was a, a got to be three, four years ago. I had the very amazing, like thrill of a lifetime opportunity where I got to fly with you guys during a show. It was unbelievable. Jimmy, I'm pretty sure it was in back with you. <laughs> I, I know the back of your head was better than your face. <laughs> if was in here, you got to see it. So um, that was just amazing. The the grace, I mean, it, it's just the sound. It is it's it's just absolutely remarkable. And um, Alan, I'd like to start with you because I'd like to understand the beginnings. You're one of the the founding members of Team Aeroshell. Tell me a little bit about how this iconic team got started. Uh, one of the all of us that started the uh, the team you know we were all flying solo uh routines in a t6 and we had to be at a air show in in uh, northeast louisiana a uh, little town of lake providence and steve his dad had passed away the the year before and that was one of the 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 local show but it was one of the last shows that merle did uh was through the flying the Corsair and anyway since Steve's dad was gone we were just kind of reminiscing uh, about Steve's dad and and all the air shows he'd done all, you know from way back and Steve goes you know says my dad used to do a, a dual dual act with uh, with a guy named Bob Speed and he said you know if you'll go out fly said uh, and let's go out and go do you know a loop or two together i like to try and i said well hey, game and uh so we went motor and told we wanted to get a little extra fuel and go out and, and practice a little bit and that's what we did and of course back in those days uh, they didn't have uh you could pretty well any any maneuvers you wanted to do uh you could in, so we went out early that morning and went and, and just looping and rolling together. And came back and actually put it in the show that day. Uh, instead of doing two solo acts, uh, we actually did a, a little dual act, and, and everybody really liked it. And uh, the air boss that was, uh, was a fellow, he was from Little Rock, and he was also uh, one of the planners for the uh, CAF air show they had at Pine Bluff, Arkansas, which was like two or three weeks later. And so they invited us to come up there. And there was another guy, a uh, guy named Ben Cunningham. He lived in Jackson. Uh, he was in Lake Providence, but his airplane wasn't there, so he wasn't flying with us. But when we got to, to uh, Pine Bluff, he had talked to the air boss, he fell in Bob Gennard, and uh, he said, why don't you try to put something together? So we actually went up a couple of days early, and uh, they put us up, you know, got us a hotel room a couple of days early and a little bit of extra gas, and we went out and, and actually developed and, and built a, a three-ship uh, formation routine, and uh, we flew that at that Pine Bluff show and it it really it was a big hit and um, next thing you know the phone starts ringing and here we are 36 years later now we're still flying doing the same thing and and who was in that first three sh three ship it was I was flying lead and Ben Cunningham was on the left wing and Steve flew right wing excellent that's uh, uh, that, that's pretty impressive. And and uh, uh, if just a quick uh, note uh, for any of you guys, since we got a bunch of people, if you're not um, uh, talking, probably best to to press your mute, just because sometimes there's some background uh, noise going on. But um, so from the very beginning, like uh, uh, Jimmy, let me ask you: uh, in the very beginning, were, were you, was it always T6s? Did you guys own T6s from the beginning? Well, that's all we've ever had. Uh, yeah, they, they always go, you know, why, uh, why do y'all like the T6? Well, I've always liked it because it's, it's a, 
It's a big airplane. It's easy to see. It makes a lot of noise. It's got a tremendous smoke system. And the main thing is that's the airplane we had. Uh, my dad bought the one I'm flying, or actually Brian's flying it now. Uh, I flew it for 24 years with the team. Uh, but my dad bought that airplane in 1973, gave $5,000 for it. Uh, Steve's... Uh, Dad bought the T6 that Steve's flying today, uh, the year Steve was born. And so, so, so Steve, did um, did did you guys all all know each other at the beginning, or how did you make the how, what was the evolution like to to become Team Aeroshell? Well, we met flying at air shows. I met Alan in Jackson, Mississippi. He was flying a stock steerman, and. Uh, I'd seen people fly stock steerman before. And then I, next thing you know, I'd watch him doing an English bunt in a stock steerman and wringing this thing out. I said, I've got to meet this dude. So they had the function that night and, uh, he comes walking around there and somebody he said, said something about it. I said, Oh, so you the guy that's flying steerman, huh? I said, heck, let me shake your hand. That was pretty awesome. And I don't know, a friendship started from right there. We were both young, and and uh, we we learned a lot from each other, and and uh, it, it's been a whirlwind adventure. I, I can it, totally from going to Nova Scotia, Canada, to uh, El Salvador, Central America, all over. I flew with Alan for what twenty four years now, twenty three, twenty four years, four years. Yeah, 24 years. So you really get to know know each other doing this type of stuff and uh, wouldn't trade anything for it. I'll tell you what, I, I just sit and chuckle to myself sometimes all the stuff, adventures that we've been on. That's Pretty just amazing. amazing. And, and, and each of you own your own planes, right? That's correct. That's correct. My dad bought mine with five other people. They... They paid two hundred dollars a piece. They paid twelve hundred dollars for it, and my dad bought everybody out of this thing over the years, except one guy wouldn't sell. And I solo as a junior in high school, and he never told me who who owned the other party. Wouldn't buy it, sell out. And when I went to A&P school, when I came back, the bill of sale was on the Christmas tree, and I uh, came over there, and he said. Uh, Look at that. And I opened it up and I had a friend of mine named Dick Brown was on the bill of sale. I said, what's Mr. Dick's name doing on here? He said, well, son, this man has been saving this airplane for you for 20 years. I've been trying to buy it from him. And he said, nope, I'm giving mine to Steve. He said, I've tried every five years. I said, okay, come on, Dick, go on, sell me your part now. Come on. Especially when I started flying in high school, he said, look, Slicks is, that's what my dad called me. I was my nickname, Slicks. And uh, he, he says, Slicks is flying it now. You know, let me go ahead and buy you out. And he went, nope, I'm saving <laughs> mine for Steve. So that was uh, that was pretty emotional, pretty neat deal. So he said, I think tomorrow you need to go visit Mr. Dick and thank him for that. So uh, Mr. Dick, he's still around and a uh, great friend. and. Oh, we've been there. Wow, what a remarkable story! That's uh, yeah. you never forget your first your first plane, right? Uh, for those of us fortunate to yeah. have had one, and, and I think kids grow up around it. And the idea that this this became, you know, not just part of your family, but but that the other partner was waiting to give it to you, it, it says yeah. something about you. I used to sit in mine when I was in kindergarten and make airplane noises and. I remember sitting in it, and it was so big to me, and, and just thinking, one day I'm going to fly this thing. Now I think in, in that T6, I've got uh, 9,000 hours in just that one. Wow. That's so amazing. tell me about the evolution of, of, the, of the, how did the, uh, tell today me about so, so tell me the different the the, the team names and, and what you went through. I mean, uh, Mark, uh, it looks like you've you've joined us back then. So I'll I'll ask I'll actually ask you, fill in on on the team and its name as it changed and and how you became Team Aeroshell. 
Well, obviously, we were the North American aerobatic team for many, many, many years. And then, uh, you know, we didn't really have a, a name sponsor. And so in, in 2001, uh, we, well, we approached them before the 2001, but we approached Aeroshell and they expressed an interest in becoming the name sponsor. So we entered a, uh, an agreement uh, starting in the season 2001 to be named Aeroshell Aerobatic Team, and we've been that ever since. That's because, uh, I mean, for a lot of people, myself included, uh, not not to uh, dismiss in any way being the, the North American Aerobatic Team before that, but you're certainly known pretty pretty widely right now when people hear hear that sound as uh, as Team Aeroshell. Well, Steve got a good story. Steve, tell them about uh, the lady that very in 2001 came up and said we did good, but remember that story? Tell that one. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a, that was a guy, actually. Was it a guy? But, uh, okay. but, yeah, but you, you know, you, you're right. We, you know, we started out the uh, North American aerobatic team. First, the airplanes weren't even painted the same. Then we finally painted them. And we flew as that for years, and, and we had a few sponsors. Some of our first sponsors that are still with us, Strong Parachutes, and uh, they they were one of our very first sponsors. I don't know if you guys know that, but they were one of the first Allen knows. And, uh, but anyway, we were flying. Uh, the first year we got painted as Aeroshell, we, we'd go to Sun and Fun. And we fly, and we go to Shell to sign autographs, you know, we're signing these cards and all this stuff. And this guy walks up to get his deal done. And we, we like to interact with them, you know, talk and always like to hear other people's adventures in general aviation, what they fly, how they got started. I, I just love to hear that kind of stuff, you know? And, uh, anyway, this guy goes, he said, well, I watched you guys today. I said, I said, yeah, he said, yeah, he said, you guys are good. But I'm telling you, there's a team out there called the North American Aerobatic Team. Now, those guys are really good. <laughs> I said, well, that's us. We just got Dave Aeroshell. We got their team of the painted. And he goes, oh, turn around and walk off. <laughs> you don't hold a candle to those other guys. I ruined, I ruined his day. <laughs> but uh, Oh, my God. That's, uh, that is uh, – that's funny to say the least. We, we, had, we had a similar thing uh, in 2001. Uh, we used to go over on the way hunting fun. We'd go by Spruce Creek over where Gene lived, and then we'd all fly over and has a big gaggle. And we had just painted airplanes. You know, we were blue, the airplane blue and white for 10 years. And then we put the arrow shell on the bottom of the wing. And Anyway, I said, well, let's, you know, on the first pass going in, let's do an overhead over the field so everybody can see our new paint job. And so anyway, we did. We flew over and came back and landed. Well, anyway, I had to see a friend of mine uh, about an hour later, and and uh, the guy came over and says, man, I just saw I saw this new team came flying by. He said they were painted red and white. Who was that? And I said, oh, well, that was us. We just got a new paint job. <laughs> so, so that, you know, basically you already answered the questions in terms of like how, why T6s, but I mean, it's because you all grew up with them, right? I mean, that's, that's where it all comes exactly. from. It is. And I tell you what, they're such a great airplane. They're well built. Everybody that ever flies one is impressed with the agility and everything and how well they do and everything. And, uh, it's, they're just really a neat airplane. I've flown all that other stuff. I've flown kits and extras and pyramids and I, all that wild stuff, done a bunch of that stuff, after sports and everything. And, you know, after you shove your eyes out of your head about 10 times, you're like, you know what, I'm getting back to, getting back to my, my iron airplane. And uh, it just has a way of talking to you. These 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 warbirds have a way of speaking to you. So, so 
it, it, you know, there's this, there's an eloquence to to the routine. There there's a, a there's like a way, of course, the, the like the style. Like you only have to see out of the corner of your eye or just barely hear you to know you guys are the ones in the air. You you don't even have to half the time be be looking. You're also like, oh, Team Aerosol's up. Let's go take a look at that. Um, did you guys evolve to that on your own? Is it based on the aircraft's abilities? Uh, what? How did you come up with the style of what you choose to do? We, we evolved, totally. Uh, I actually am the one that came up with a routine. It, our routine is, is all about energy management, and you have to keep that energy. And each maneuver leads in for the energy for the next maneuver. And if you change it up, we've tried to change things, you know, and we've tried this and tried that. And the next thing you know, you lose 20 knots for the next maneuver and you have mm. to climb or go back out. Or most importantly is losing sight, uh, which is very, very dangerous. Uh, I've been doing air shows since I was 19 and I'm 60 now. And every, every accident I've ever seen with formation or formation aerobatics, they lost sight of who they were flying on. And our, our routine is designed to never, ever lose sight of each other unless we're breaking apart, doing a, a bomber, and we're actually doing it on purpose to go away. Mm -hmm. that's, that's totally different. But I think that's, from doing that, it's, it just keeps everything safe. And it, if things aren't safe, they're not fun. Yeah. And I'm not, you're not, I'm not going to enjoy them. So, we want to make sure we keep it safe all the time. Now, I, as I mentioned earlier, obviously, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I had the opportunity to uh, to fly with you guys. And, and one of the things I'm always impressed by is how many people get the opportunity to fly with you, which is, I think, because of the number of you, because of the aircraft and because of your personalities and who you are. Um, so tell me a little bit about the, the fact that you've opened this up to so many people to see what it's like to fly with you. Yeah, I, I tell you what, we have so many. We've been flying long enough now. And there's, there's people in the airlines and the military all over. You know, we're old enough now that people are. I mean, they're veterans that, that flew with us from, from way back. You know, and mm -hmm. and you know that's part of it. You need to share these experiences if you can, because that's all about you know inspiring the younger generation to get into this. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these. Younger, in my opinion, these younger generation are they're searching and they they don't know that there's an opportunity in general aviation to get out there and find out something about yourself. Mm. You might not think you're capable of something. Well, if you ever get in there and you work hard at it, you might surprise yourself and find out what you really are capable of. Because I never realized I was going to be flying formation aerobatics six and eight feet off someone's wing at night flying all over the, the country. Uh, so that's, that's pretty amazing to me. And also I'm an ag pilot. I've been, I've been crop dusting for 38 years flown. I don't know how many different types of airplanes, but, uh, uh, on the other note, I put a new engine on my T6 today, uh, Yonkin aviation engine. And, uh, this is engine number seven on my airplane. Ran wow. everyone on the but I, I flew it today. And uh, Alan, it was one of those when you when you put it on, I didn't even have to adjust the carburetor, the idle, the mixture, the prop. I I, I literally did nothing. I could not. I mean. Usually you have to tweak a little something, you know, because you put new engine yeah. mount rubbers on, you know, and re if you got to tweak something. I literally, it was, it was spooky. Uh, I mean, it was, and it, it was smooth as silk. I've got Jim Jeffries going to come balance the prop uh, later this week. And I said, well, I can't wait for you to find out. But right now it doesn't act like it needs it. Wow. But, That's amazing. I mean, and is that, now I've always so, heard that uh, the, uh, the T6s are, are surprisingly, uh, uh, reasonable aircraft to maintain and and, 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 and to work on. Tell me a little yeah, bit about that. Well, they're, built, they're built so well. You know, they were built to do what we do with them. They were built to train students. 
And so they, they're very robust. And as long as you keep an eye on them, and the main thing with a T6 is corrosion. You got to really keep an eye on that and make sure you keep that down. And an ACF 50, I spray my airplane down every two years with that mm-hmm. and keeps the corrosion totally gone. I, 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 every other angle, I spray it down. Yep. And uh, just it lubricates the cables while I'm in there. So we keep these airborne, these birds in top notch shape. I can say they, they yep. really are. As much as we fly, we put about 200, 250 hours a year. Uh, on these airplanes every year. Wow. So that doesn't take long uh, at, at, at that to, uh, uh, to get to new engines and new work and everything every, else. Every five years, five to six years, you're looking at another engine. This, yep. this engine was six, six years. Yep. The last one just took off. Wow. So you mentioned they're flying at, at night. I'm going to go around the horn a little bit here. Jimmy, can you, can you tell me a little bit about what's, what it's like to do a night air show? Oh, looks like uh, we might not have audio from from Jimmy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bump up Nash Allen about that. But it's uh, it's very. Oh, there he's. How about now? Okay, now I can hear you. Uh, Jimmy, I think we don't have a good enough connection for that, so I'm gonna bump over and. Uh, um, um, actually ask Alan about that. If you can tell us a little bit about the uh, night air shows. Uh, yeah, we started doing the night air shows, um, long, long time ago. And, uh, the, part of the main motivation, uh, for doing those, uh, was because of the conditions. It's generally right at sundown. Uh, the winds lay down. It, it's a little bit cooler. Uh, it was just a fun time to do an air show, and we used to do it just kind of right. Your, uh, your callback? Used to do it as the uh, uh, used to do it as the sun was setting, uh, but anyway, we started figured out with uh, some of the extra lighting and stuff on the airplane, and with our uh, the way we light up the smoke, we started flying even late, you know, even uh, 10, 15 minutes uh, after sundown, and. Uh, it's amazing though that you know when you're looking up from the ground, it actually looks fairly dark. But when you're up in the airplane at you know at 1,500 feet looking down, it's actually uh, the ground is illuminated more uh, than you think, and so uh, we can actually still still see pretty good uh, compared to what the people on the ground can see. Uh, for the first say half of the routine and when it when you get down to the last part of it it is starting to get dark but we can still make our references on the ground you can see where the runways are and buildings and and uh, that sort of thing of course uh, they generally turn the runway lights on so you've got those uh, references to use and but it's just a fun doing a night show it's just fun <laughs> I can only imagine it sure is fun to watch. Are there issues when, I mean, when, when you're as lit up as you guys are, uh, are there issues because uh, with uh, night, night vision, when you're, you're looking at the lead or at the next plane over and, and because of that, you have to be looking at some pretty bright lights in staying in formation as opposed to trying to avoid that. Is that an issue? So it can be. It, it, it sometimes. Eight. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, but Brian, I think we need to keep your uh, your mic off for, yeah. uh, there. <laughs> Brian, turn your mic off. But, it, but uh, we did, yes, it can be a, a little bit of a distraction, especially once we put these arrow leads uh, LED lights in. We actually ended up having to come back and paint the top of the, the uh, landing light lenses black. Huh. To shine up toward us because it, it was actually too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark did it, did them all at one air show. He said, man, I, I can't take it anymore. So we, we pulled them all on, got some masking tape. And, and uh, but you know, the hardest part about it is if when we're together, 
it's fine because everybody's lit up. From the guys at the ground, it looks phenomenal, but they don't can't see what we see. The worst part it, to me about flying a night show is landing at night. It's not about landing. It's about you're landing with somebody in front of you still on the runway. Mm. So when you put the tail down on a T6, you can't see in front of you. Mm-hmm. So, so what we do is the guy in front of us, he, he might land on the left side. The next guy's going to land on the right side. The next guy's going to land on the left side. And we stagger them that way on purpose. So you have to be disciplined about your landing. You got to be able to land straight and put it where you, where you want it to be. But that way, if something was to, you know, you would go buy some. We haven't ever gone past anybody, but it's just, to me, that's once we finish the deal and we are gathering up on the ground mm-hmm. is, is the hardest part to me. And does that include the, the, kind of, the, the kind of taxi and spin thing that you guys do with all the smoke? Yeah. Well, we make sure we, we call that before you ever spin. We always make sure, okay, you know, we, we designate on lines. So as we're coming up, Mark will say, all right, I'm going to stop on the dash just past the taxiway delta. Uh, uh, Brian, you start on the next one, then Steve, and then Jimmy. Uh, or we might stop on the north side of the dash lines. And then once we're in position, then Jimmy says, I'm ready. And then we go. Okay. And sometimes a while to clear out, you can't tax it until you can start seeing again. Yeah, sometimes you you, you kind of wonder how close that other guy is. The other, the other thing is you got to uh, worry mm-hmm. about when their tail comes around toward you with the power up, you, you put a little forward stick mm-hmm. and <laughs> make sure he doesn't lift up your tail. Yeah. I've got a good one. Alan, you don't remember this. Alan, you remember we flew Branson? Uh, Missouri. You remember yeah. that one? Uh, it's been a long time ago. All right. Well, I won't forget it because what we ended up doing was it, it got the weather got bad and they weren't able to shoot off all the pyro. So we happened to fly and this, this weather was moving in. And just as we flew, we're coming in to land. And just as we touched down and as I put my tail down to get blind, they lit off all the pyro on the left side of the runway right next to me. Oh my the God. The fireball blinded just, it was, it was huge. And, <laughs> and just for that instant, I mean, I, woo. And the next day at the pilot briefing, I, I went in there and I found the pyro guy and I, I went and got a pair of fake underwear and I drew brown marks in them. I handed it to him. <laughs> Man, you see what you did? Man, don't ever light the pyro off when everybody's landing. Woo. But anyway. Wow. Um, yeah. Hey, Mark, I'd like to switch over to you. How about uh, some, some like, what's, what was your favorite memory or some other things that you could come to mind here? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, we do so many air shows. We do a, a lot of shows for the first time, but then, you know, but then we'll do some shows we do every year. For example, like we go down to Stewart, Florida, and, you know, you think about all the way down in South Florida, but all of us feel like it's a homecoming because we've done that show, I think, over 20 times. And wow. so, I mean, I feel it's just as home in Stewart, Florida, as I do anywhere else in the country. So it's, you know, sometimes it's, you know, when we start doing, you know, uh, shows over and over and over, they just, you know, when you get there, you kind of know everybody, you know what to, to expect. It's just, you know, and you down there, we always have a lot of, we got a lot of friends in Stewart, Florida, so we never have a shortage of a dinner invitation. <laughs> so, I can only, I can I don't only know, we, You know, I tell you one of the, the, you're talking about the night shows. I remember, Early on, uh, we, this was before when we were still red, white, and blue. Uh, we did a night show outside the officers' club at Tyndall Air Force Base, and uh, I remember when we came in, uh, Frank Borman and some others were standing at the steps on, uh, in the O Club when we walked in, and they were like, 
they go, man, that's the most impressive thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, because back then, it, you know, nobody flew much, you know, at night. And uh, mm-hmm. it's nice to have seen how night shows have uh, have developed. We later, uh, when we finally, we started using that, we robbed, actually robbed the idea or, or borrowed the idea from a guy named Bob Davis. He had a taillight on his, on his Sukhoi. And we asked him if we could copy that. And so we put the light on the tail. Well, that particular year, we went to El Salvador. And so we'd never actually used the taillight in an air show. And so, uh, and that's kind of a, that air show is pretty loose. I mean, they let you do about anything he wants. So Alan, he's, he said, I'm going to go up and do a solo. So he went out and did a solo and he had that light on. As soon as he landed, we all ran, man, you won't believe what that light looks like. <laughs> and so they said, man, it looked like your tail was on fire. So when we got back home, that was in January, uh, I think our first actual, you know, domestic or, or air show in the U.S., I think it was at Patrick Air Force Base. And we all had the, the tail lights on. And they did the same thing that they did at Tyndall. They had an, an officer's club that was out on the beach. And we went out. And did an air did a routine after sunset, and, and of course we came back. Of course nobody at the airport because it was a remote show. So we put the airplanes up. We go back to this officers club, and all the Warburg guys were running. Man, what did y'all do? How did you do that, y'all? And we, I think we were telling it was all fiber optics or something. I forgot what story we made up, but uh, <laughs> but like I said, always doing the night show. You know, it, people have just always been impressed and and. And it's, it's, but really it's for us, it's actually more enjoyable than doing a day show because it's typically, it's usually cooler. It's usually uh, calmer and uh, we just enjoy doing it. It's, uh, and that's one thing that our uh, routine, as Steve was saying earlier, the way it's designed, we, we don't do a lot of breakups and rejoins. We stay Mm -hmm. in formation quite a bit. And because at night, it's a lot harder to join at night than it is in the daytime. So we only have to do that a couple of times in our routine. And so that minimizes the objective danger of trying to operate at night. We get back into formation fairly quickly. And, um, and so we, kind of, we typically stay there. And so it makes it a lot safer for, safer for us to operate that way. That makes sense. Steve, I'd like to switch over to you again. Um, you know, a lot of people wonder what what it's like, kind of being in being in this air show world. Like, what's the behind the scenes life of going to you know in between air shows? When you get there, what you do, kind of you know, do, do you do you practice before anyone sees it to, at, at different times? Um, what's what's kind of a little bit of the behind the scenes? Uh, uh, e- even the part where maybe you hang out with all the other performers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, we just have a blast. Uh, there's no doubt about it. We've got some stories. Uh, some of them we probably don't even want to share, do we, Alan? Oh, <laughs> you can share. <laughs> <laughs> we've, had some, we've had some really, really, really good ones, I guarantee you that. Uh, we've just become friends. We're more than that. You know, and that's a secret to a team. Uh, the longevity of a team is 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 not just about the flying; it's about the camaraderie and the trust and 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 getting along with each other. You know, I, I've seen so many teams break up. The Northern Lights, uh, I can, that that they just never got along. They, they when they got through flying, they they went their separate ways. When we get done, we're like, hey, where are we going to eat? <laughs> hey, we're on the mood for you know so we, we we go to eat together when we get done uh don't yeah no no matter together. how tense it might be at the end of the day but <laughs> five minutes down the road we're all laughing that's a funny <laughs> bastard you, you guys all you guys all stay at the same place uh, uh when you read like air yeah. shows oh, like, yeah yeah not hell no not the same room but uh, we do we do debrief and we get together after every air show and a lot of times we'll do our debrief 
at the hotel, back at the room, because that's usually the best time because you don't want to do it right after you land because usually there's people around. And if you want to get on to somebody or tell somebody something, that's not a good time to do it in front of anybody, you know? So, right. uh, and, and we will, we, we're pretty hard on each other. I mean, you got to have thick skin to be a member of this team. I mean, and that goes for everybody. Everybody's going to get, but it makes us better. It makes <laughs> us better by doing that. But once we get that done, everybody's good to go. They, I mean, nobody carries a grudge. Nobody gets mad about it. They just, you know, actually laugh it off. And we, but we know to work on that the next time. And it, it helps become better. Now, do, now, do y'all, uh, Brian, uh, do, um, do y'all have uh, day jobs, or is this your main thing? What's what's in, what's involved in being an air show? Yeah, I'm a part-time actor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, pilot slash actor, and um, and kind of going at that right now. I've been, had a lot of time to practice this year, you know, with COVID. So, um, now, hopefully, I'm getting better. But, uh, you know, you know, we'll just, this group is not afraid to work and, uh, we'll do any job that comes by, you know, um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Mark stays busy. He dove into, uh, the DPE work and instruction and everything else. And, and, uh, you know, there's no shortage of things. There's somebody will, you know, pull you aside and say, Hey, can you help me work on this thing? And, you know, Everybody's usually ready, so yep. it worked out pretty good. Now, some I, I got to run for a minute. Some of your mechanics also, is that correct? Yeah, thank thank goodness. I got to admit, we've got some really good mechanics on this team. Uh, Alan, Mark, and myself. Uh, uh, <laughs> Brian lost an engine down in Midland, Texas, and uh, – I don't know, Mark. We had that that engine off and on the ground. I forgot how we blew the 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 commemorative Air Force's mind. We had the engine off. How long did it take us, Mark? Oh, Mark's is forty Mark's minutes. Not on. Hold on. Four hours. I can't remember. It was crazy. We prop off, did. Yeah. There it goes. Well, I know. I know. We went out and we went to the pilot briefing which was at about nine o'clock at 10 o'clock we started. And I think at about one we had it on the floor and then we went and flew, came back and took all the accessories and stuff, started pulling all the baffles and stuff, stuff off. And the guy showed up from Covington, uh, with a, with a fresh engine, like eight o'clock that night. And we had the, had the engine on the mount safety, at like 11 and I said look I've been working it's been hot I said let's go to the room I said we'll come back out here in the morning so we showed up back at the airport about 5 30 in the morning and we flew it at 11 and the guys at it the CF they're like man y'all come help us work on some of our stuff y'all change an engine in about 24 hours it's wow. like nah I think you know I, I did this because I had to <laughs> 24 hours to change an yeah, engine. We changed his engine less than 24 hours. Less than that. Way less than that. It didn't take long. It was like I said, it was 24 hours we had it flying. Now wow. the biggest That's thing was enough. is we had Covington was nice enough. They had a they had a spare engine. Allen had a spare engine on the ground at Covington, and if it wasn't for that and the fact that they volunteered on a Saturday afternoon to take off driving with it and bring it to Midland, Texas, we'd have been in a pickle, but because they brought the engine and uh, we had it, we had it changed out in less than 24 hours. That is amazing. I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call, see, so you got to call team Aeroshell if you need to overhaul your engine. That's, that's, I think that's the yeah. message here. <laughs> well, we didn't overhaul, we just changed it. <laughs> so okay, big swap difference. Out. Swap out. Aviation. Fair, fair enough. Definitely. So how about, uh, how about the big uh, the big letter time? Like, uh, what's involved with uh, working with the FAA through uh, through air shows? Should I, dare I ask? They're not bad. Most of them, believe it or not, most of them know us and and 
every now and then you'll run into one that's just you know but 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 they our paperwork gets looked at every weekend just about and I mean, one of the things one of the things they do now is the faa when they inspect us they Mike's not working. Oops, sorry, lost your. The, one of the things the FAA does now, yeah, they'll look at. They actually put our inspection results into a database. And I've had let's just say so the first week in June, we do an air show, and I've had people come up the next weekend from the FAA. I said, "You want to see our paperwork?" He said, "No, I already looked at it." I said, "Well, how'd you look at it?" They said, "Well, so and so looked at it last week. They said you guys are good. You're good for the end of the month." And so then, so they, a lot of the FAA, they actually now can share a lot of that information. It makes it a lot easier on us. Yeah, that certainly helps. Have you, do you find that with the type of aircraft that you have and the, and the age of them, et cetera, that you have to do a little education, though, with some of the folks that, uh, at the FAA? Yeah, that, I think we, we shared a story earlier about, you know, the, you know, most of the newer built airplanes all have an FAA-approved you know, pilot operating handbook. But because the T-6 was built in back in the 40s, is before they had a pilot operating handbook. Now, the, the, the Army and the Navy had what they call their Dash 1 or their flying handbook, but that's not an FAA-approved manual. And so if you go into the TC data sheet and the FAA, when it was certified, it wasn't certified with the with a operator's handbook. They... They just use placards and uh, instrument markings, and uh, and that's all that's required. And we've had people, they've had the FA quote, wanting to know where our POHs are, and they're surprised to find that we don't have them, but they didn't read, they apparently didn't read that regulation. <laughs> we, we got we got one that good, at, I got thinking about a good FAA story. We got, we got a good one, Jeffrey. Uh, we put these lights on the back of the, airplane and they're all approved we've got paperwork on them and all that stuff right well anyway we're in the pilot briefing and they were talking about pyro you know if you have pyro you need to, it needs to be listed and the FAA wants to know about the pyro and all this stuff so we went and flew and he, you know it looks like fire coming out of the back of the airplane oh the next morning, he was running into the hangar. I mean, feet stomping. He was smoke running out of his ears. You guys told us that you didn't have any pyro on board, and I saw that flame coming out of the back. I want to see those airplanes now. And I think about it. Was it you, Mark, that walked him over and said, hey, it's just a light. Come here. It's a bulb out the back. Yeah, I just told him. I walked around. I just pointed at the light. And he just shook his head and walked out, didn't say, I'm sorry, I was mistaken. Man, that's a pretty cool effect. He just looked, shook his head, and walked out, didn't say one word. <laughs> well, we'll be really nice because I already got a note saying, hey, the FAA is on our meeting. <laughs> oh, really? Believe it or not. Well, I'm not telling you, you know what it is, though. That was all the most <laughs> loving possible terms. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you only got one. <laughs> only, only one raising their hand. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, one of the other things, having having obviously a, such a, a group of you there, I, I've every time that I've talked to air show pilots, they have told me that the most difficult part or dangerous part of an air show is getting there um, in these aircraft from everywhere you're coming from and trying to make it there. Is that a? Do you guys always travel as a group during the season, or is that is that a challenge no matter what? Because you're coming from different places. Well, we usually come. Each of us come individually. Now, sometimes Steve and Jimmy go together because they live close to one another. But most of the time, we just, you know, whatever's convenient. We have a time we need to be at the event, and everybody just leaves at whatever appropriate time they need. Now, sometimes we'll converge. Uh, you know, somewhere along the way and go in as a group. But there's a lot of times we just end up one at a time. But I tell you, having good radio equipment makes a big difference. You know, we've got the Aspen uh, 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 HSI uh, artificial rise of moving map combinations in the airplanes. And those things are so good for because we can file IFR. We have autopilots. 
uh, in the airplanes. Uh, uh, and, and so we can file. Uh, we've all got nice GPS. Uh, 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 they're all IFR certified. And, and so, you know, because one thing about the air show business, you got to rem- remember is you don't get paid till you show up. And mm-hmm. so we're going to make sure we show up. <laughs> but, uh, but that's one of the things that's made us reliable is the fact that we're all IFR current and we're all IFR qualified with the airplanes. And we can leave. There's a lot. If you look back over the years, there's been a lot of people get killed scud running in air show airplanes. And we just don't do that. I mean, there's no reason to be down, down low dodging wires and towers and stuff we just go ahead and file and go to altitude our only hazard then would be you know maybe a mechanical problem and those and these airplanes are so reliable that that doesn't come along very often yeah that makes sense and, and i'm also a huge fan of aspen i mean i've got them in the, the bonanza it's going into our mustang right here behind me uh, uh aspen's uh, it, it's pretty cool to see those in the texans that you've got uh, yeah, well, we've also got those the L3 links units in, and so for situations where with traffic and and you know, of course that's where I get all you know the actually get my weather product. Uh, that is is such a it's such a nice unit, uh, and it, and it uh, obviously worked well with the L3. I mean, with the uh, Aspen units, they work the L3 and Aspen work well together, and it yeah. makes a, a very nice combination. So um, what kind of advice would you give people that are just just starting to think about maybe that like this is you you have their dream job and and they want <laughs> someday to, to, to do that. Like, how, how do you get? Well, I'll tell you what somebody there. told me a long time ago. They said, if you want to make a million dollars in the air show business, start with two million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what's what know, is, Steve, you, how you, do people how do people get started in it and what kind of things do you recommend as people to start training even to just get started in aerobatics? We we've had people all the time, you know, that that want to come and, and fly with us and uh it's it it can be a very humbling experience. Uh, I'm serious. Uh we've had people that are very, very talented. And they, after one day, they're like a dog with a tail tucked between their legs, ready to run. They're like, how in the world? I said, look, it's, it was, I didn't start flying right here in one day, not in one week, not in one month. When Jimmy joined the team, he flew with us for almost two years before we put him in the slot position to, to, Really, but he was dedicated enough. You have to be dedicated and and learn the right way. What we want is somebody that already that has T6 time or low level warbird heavy iron air show experience, and then we need somebody that's got formation aerobatic experience. We're not going to take somebody in there try to train them from scratch. They're going to have to do that on their own. And then come to it because it because it takes so much time. I mean, it really does. It's an evolution of of time to fly where we are. If you pull out some of our old films when we first started, hopefully nobody does it. They'd be going, "Ooh, yeah." But but over time, my 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 advice is to anybody that wants to get into this, uh. Go for it. There's nothing to hold you back. But the only thing I do want you to do is fly where you're comfortable. That's the main thing that I say for safety-wise. Never push yourself to try to fly where somebody else is. Don't try to fly where that guy does this or this guy. Uh, And if you try to do that and you're not comfortable, you're never going to learn anything. You're actually not going to learn what you're doing because you're not comfortable. So what you do is you fly where you're comfortable and over time without you realizing all of a sudden, then you can fly a little bit closer and then it, you're still comfortable and then a little bit more. And then, and then all of a sudden now there is a point where you get where we are that, that, that I'm just not going to fly any closer. We're, we're, there's a point where that you, you, you have to have that margin of safety for, for anything that, and be ready for, you know, especially when it gets rough out, we spread out we and we brief things before we go fly. If the wind's blowing hard, 
we, we stop and talk and Mark will say, hey, I'm going to have to extend this turn to the south. Hey, when I turn back north, you guys be ready. I'm going to extend it as far as I can. But when I turn and come in, we, we're, going, we're, we're coming. We're inbound. So you need to be ready for it. So we brief all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But always fly where you're comfortable. Anybody that wants to learn to do this, trust me, please. If you're not comfortable where you're flying, get out where you are. And you, yeah. you'll learn a lot more. One, one of the things that we do, and you'll watch us, our, I had the wingmans, uh, Steve and Brian, actually ride stepped up. Something Steve and I had learned years before when I used to fly wing, Steve actually, he showed me, he said, man, he said, if you'll ride a little higher, man, it gets a lot easier, a lot easier on your engine. And so we were able to easily move to where we were riding high, and it also gave the slot guy all the room underneath he needed. The, the closest airplane to him was the lead, Instead of he, there was no chance that he was going to hit one of the wingmans if he rised too high. And so, but the point was, is that when we moved up, it was because we already had tons and tons of experience flying wing. And I get guys that come out and the first thing they want to do is start riding stepped up. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's get back down where you need, it's safer down low. That's where you need to learn. And then when you get proficient, then you can start looking at riding stepped up. But, you know, it took years for us riding as a three ship where you had, if you know, one airplane's number, if you got your left wing, you got the whole left side. And then your right wing's got the whole right side. But then when you throw a slot guy in, then that kind of starts limiting your airspace. And you got to have the discipline in order to do that. But when you're flying a, 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 out just on somebody's wing, or doing a three shift, there's no reason to ride stepped up. I mean, we Mark, all, you know, especially in training. Mark, can you fill me for, for, for our audience's understanding? When you say stepped up or riding low, can you explain what that means? Yeah, I mean, if you look, you know, when you're flying on on the, like if you fly by NATA rules, which is the North American Trainer Association, when you're flying in a, in a wing, you're supposed to be lined up either on the tail wheel lined up with the with the far wing tip or if you you know it depends on how you brief the flight but you can also fly off the aileron and the back edge of the cowling but you're supposed to be riding low enough that you can see one of the hubcaps mm-hmm. so that means that your head your line of sight is below the the wing of the lead you're supposed to be down that far the idea being if the engine on the lead airplane quit you just go underneath and so but when i say riding high we're talking about past you know if you if both airplanes are exactly the same height then that's wings even but then you ride high you'll actually move a foot or so above the airplane in front of you and that's where we fly wing when we're flying a four ship and then the slot guy gives him room to come up nice and tight so when you see if you look at ever look at a picture with his head on uh, you can always see that the two wing guys are actually a little, just a touch above the lead. Got it. The, the Got it. advantage of flying, riding a little bit high, the advantage is, is, is like when you do a loop, you're traveling less distance. It's like a horse on the inside of a track. So, so if you're on the, if you're riding low doing a loop, you're having to, travel a lot more distance so you, so you're losing that energy that the other thing about riding high is I actually ride the wake coming off the top of the wing of the lead I can I can feel he'll actually his wing will actually pick my wing up and I can actually roll up on it like a like a whiteboard and I can actually feel that and I and I can get a little momentum out of that alan used to always complain about it flying lead and and mark too he, they said it'll actually we could actually steer the lead around by pushing on that weight and you can ask the leads to talk about that a little bit and uh okay. that's kind of amazing here you are behind them and you ride up on top of that weight and push down on it and i can turn that i can turn that lead into me wow yeah, when I'm when we're lead, when I'm leading, and let's say that Jimmy does a really good slide where he stays where he 
you know, with Brian's riding high where he's supposed to be and Jimmy gets in there, I can actually feel him get into position because he'll actually raise my tail up when he starts getting in there close. The bow wake off of his cowling will push my tail up. Wow, that's pretty impressive. When you're that close that, you're, that your wingman can actually steer your plane. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, on a, the... that's what we call a pro move. Yeah. If, <laughs> if, if so the... any, any, any last tips for someone who's, who's let's say you've got a, you, let's see, there's a couple of people in the audience there that have some experience that maybe have just starting to develop a routine and, and they're wondering how in the world do I break into the air show circuit as the ABC crew or whatever they are. Uh, One thing about it, from there, you guys. there's no shortcuts. It's all gasoline through the carburetor. That's the only thing that gets you gets you there is gas to the carburetor. It, nobody has a magic formula to make it easy. It's all experience. It's all practice. That that's what gets you to the to the end game is you just have to practice. Yep. Yep. That you makes know, sense. I, I, we we smile. I like you know talking to people like you're talking about, and every time I'll say you know how many hours you got. And and the one of the most disappointing responses is, well, I've only got 200 hours. So you know what I tell them? I say, Bob Hoover had 200 hours at one time. I had 200 hours at one. I said everybody had 200 hours at one time. So don't look at it that way. You're just at that point, and you just you grow from there. So yep. excellent. Just, uh, well, guys, I want to thank you. We're always approachable. Yep. And and you are by far the most approachable, and I like to think of as, as just the most fun uh, air show performers and, and crew in general aviation. I cannot thank you enough for joining the show, and, and I cannot wait to see you at AirVenture and, uh, and see all those uh, beautiful T6s flying in formation, making that noise, and putting gas through the carburetor. As you say, <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to air venture and sun and fun this year and and uh, many, many more air shows. I think we've got 14 or 15 Barksdale Air Force Base, uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, we're, we're, we've really got a good list. T tell a few of the places, Mark, that you know we're going so far. Well, we're going to, yeah, we're going to Dayton, Ohio. We're going to Kansas City. Uh, I had to go, just go down a little. We've got uh, Hammond, Louisiana. Uh, we're going there this year. Um, of course, obviously, uh, Stewart. We're going to go back to Stewart. Uh, obviously, Sun and Fun and Oshkosh. Um, well, I'm sitting there thinking, trying to uh, look at the list. Um, uh, we put, I think, Mark, you're actually you're actually breaking up a little bit too. On our website, Mark, you're breaking, so, uh, Mark, you're breaking up Mark, a little bit. But uh, we've got, I think, we're up to 16 now. We're going to Louisville, Mississippi. Um. Trying to think where else we're going. Um, Tavari, uh, we're doing one in Tavares the weekend before Sun and Fun. We're actually doing a night show over the, the lake there in Leesburg. Excellent. Yeah. That sounds it's, great. It's, okay. Jeffrey, thank you so much for having us. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, it's been look so at our so website. It, it'll have our... Uh, uh, our schedule on there for too long. We're going to Peru, Illinois, to the TBM Avenger reunion. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, listen, um, we are out of time, but I would just again like to thank you so, so much for taking time to join us here on Social Flight Live. You are probably the most iconic and most fun uh, performers that I have seen at any thank show you so much. in general aviation. And so, again, thanks for taking the time to do that. I look forward to seeing you at the show. 
we'll, uh, it would be great to, uh, to get some additional time and share that and I encourage everyone to go take a look at the schedule on the website. Just search for Team Aeroshell or the Aeroshell Aerobatic Team and, um, and, and go watch them perform and you'll see them walking around. And, and again, guys, you're the most approachable and I, I will treasure for the rest of my life the opportunity that I had to fly with you both and with all of you. Um, until next time, I'm Jeff Simon for Social Flight. Thanks to all of you for taking time out of your evening and joining us here for this show. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday with NASA astronaut David Williams, as well as on March 9th, we're joined by Mikey McBrien of the Ice Pilots on the Discovery Channel. And on March 16th, author Jamie Beckett will be here, as always, on Social Flight Live. Until next time, blue skies. Thank you.